Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce, The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind. But I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series, and the follow-on to that will be out in the spring, and that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap, The Mind-Bending Pull of the Great Pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com. And that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. Well, Karen and I are very pleased indeed to be joined by Rachel Oakes and Claire Colbert. And I, for one, am feeling rather outnumbered by the legal eagles today. Now, Rachel sits as a deputy district judge and she was a family lawyer in a major national firm for 30 years. Claire was also a specialist family lawyer for over 20 years. And she's the author of The Witch Guide to Divorce and Splitting Up and The Witch Divorce Guide 2015. And she's the co-chair of the Resolution Parenting After Parting Committee. Now, unusually, both Rachel and Claire also hold diplomas in couples and family therapy. And together, they set up Family Mediation and Mentoring LLP, where they offer all types of mediation, including hybrid mediation and child-inclusive mediation. And their aim, in spite of Rachel being a judge, is to keep people out of court and to reduce conflict and help people to reach agreements in an amicable way. And of course, to keep their legal fees down. So thank you so much for joining us here today, uh, Rachel and Claire. Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, It's going to be really interesting to explore um, the world of mediation because, as you both know, in the books that Cipria and I have co-written, we're not necessarily in favour of classic mediation when one of the couples suffers from NPD. But that doesn't mean that people like yourselves can't help couples in this situation to resolve matters. Um, And I wondered if we could start with looking at how you feel about mediation in what I would describe as its classic form, say the mediator with the couple, and how you might deal with matters if you felt that you had a referral um, of that nature, which you felt perhaps was the wrong method for that couple to engage in. I think the traditional model of mediation can leave people feeling a bit exposed. They're not only trying to concentrate on mediation and dealing with some very important issues about the next phase of their life. They're sort of having to compute all of that and think about it whilst dealing with the behaviour potentially that they've been living with for a long period of time. 
Presumably that's because the mediator is in the room or obviously we sometimes do this remotely now, but with just the couple. So there's that triangle there. They'd use mediation as a way to vent or actually just perpetuate their abusive behaviours. Absolutely. And we we see a lot of goalposts moving in that classic mediation uh, situation where you have the parties together and and you're there too in that you think you've come up with a plan everybody seems quite comfortable with it and then it moves and that that the controlling element of wanting to always be the upper hand and that's where quite often the traditional mediation and depending on the mediator and how aware they are of it you, you start to lose well actually who where were we what what was happening because it's been moved and manipulated and changed and so being really aware of that means that even if we've entered into the traditional mediation process and it hasn't been flagged up by anybody in a Miami or by the lawyers we can quite easily move us from that into hybrid which is a much calmer space where the control is passed back to to both of them separately with the support of their lawyers so even the the risk of elements of undermining and trying to keep control of the process by the narcissistic personality just knowing that for the other person they have their lawyer there and they can be told no that that isn't right that isn't real this is okay what you're doing is okay gives them the confidence again to be part of the process and not feel like they're having to keep carrying back and thinking I'm wrong why am I doing this I'm not sure if I should be here and make them realize that actually they they have a bit more control than they think they have. So how would you do that practically you've got the couple with you and they've come by a lawyer referral and they've come together and, and you feel sort of meeting number two this the, the goalposts have shifted every two minutes and um, and you feel uncomfortable so what would the practical mm-hmm. steps be to to move from one to the other? Perhaps if I've heard things that are being said that are undermining one person or the other, I might call that out and just say, I'm I'm a bit worried here that there's an imbalance, that there's something going on. That means that I can't assist the two of you. I can't help you with this. I'm here to facilitate the conversations and I want to do that but I'm not feeling that you've both got the power to speak. And if one person is being stopped from being able to say what they think is right, because they're being prevented from feeling that's a a safe space to do it, that's something I need to call out. Yeah. The way I would normally start talking about it would be the benefit of having legal advice in that situation and how understanding best case and worst case scenarios and the need to try and be quite time sensitive and cost sensitive. What Claire and I spend quite a bit of time talking about, though, which is really nice that we're working together in the same business so that we can pick each other's brains, is the Mayan meetings. They're so valuable, um, which are the mediation, information assessment meetings. So we very much get a real good insight by asking the right sort of questions about what stages are people uh, at, what's the history of their relationship been like. And we always have in our mind MPD because people very often will very openly say to us, oh, I'm married to a narcissist. Well, um, saying it and actually being married to a narcissist can be very often two very completely different things. And so we're constantly on the lookout for that, but also other things which are triggers, you know, if there's been any history of domestic violence or abuse. Rachel, you talked about the mediation information and assessment meeting as being the point when you would gather the information and and look out for triggers. How long would that meeting generally take? They're supposed to be about 45 minutes to an hour, but both Claire and I go beyond that if we feel we need to, because before you've even spoken about traditional models or shuttle models of mediation or hybrid models of mediation 
I'm getting a little bit of a showcasing Maya where somebody's talking to me and telling me how great they are. Some of those grandiose perceptions that you that you do come across and that it's all the other person's fault and they don't realise that they've done this and done that. And if they only haven't done this and they only haven't done that, then probably we would all be happily married. We wouldn't even be here. But interestingly, sometimes when you talk about the boundaries of mediation and how it works, when you're explaining the process, you can get a little bit of feedback from that as well. Um, in what way? Well, you can have people saying, oh, yes, well, I manage meetings all the time and I'm a very important person in the job I do. And this is all going this. This will be fine. Yes, of course, I'll follow the rules. I know exactly what you mean, but I think you might have some difficulty um, with my other half because they're not used to this situation and um, they do find it rather difficult. But don't worry, you won't have any problems from me at all. Uh, I know exactly how all of these things uh, work. And so we sort of practice trying to be quite calm and keeping our voice and tone at a certain level. Um, And I have to say, I absolutely loved in the book, although I've never read this anywhere else. It was only in the book where I read about, you've got to pretend to be a grey rock. Mm. (laughs) And I was thinking that's quite hard in a Maya meeting because that's probably a different technique in a different setting. But I do have that image in my head. And Claire and I have spoken about that as well, because it almost... If you feel things are running away with you a little bit in those meetings or whether it's a Maya meeting or a mediation meeting, that's quite a good point to come back to. Mm. Think about the grey rock, think about the grey rock. And so um, for anybody who doesn't know what on earth I'm talking about, it all will be revealed if you if you if you buy Karen Sapria's book, because uh, it's a very interesting explanation of the of the way to approach dealing with those sorts of situations. I think we've also done a podcast um, episode on that as well. But I had another question about the Mayam, um, which was, do you only see one of the couple or do you get to talk to both before you make a decision as to whether mediation is suitable? If you're wondering whether your partner really is a narcissist, please do check out my online course, Is My Partner a Narcissist? Knowing for sure. And if you want to understand narcissistic behaviours, you may be interested in my Demystifying the Narcissist online course. Both are available on drsapria.com. So you'll have a Mayan meeting with each of them. Whenever I can, I try and make that completely separate Mayan meetings because I always have a number of concerns about any kind of joint Mayan meeting. Because in that Mayan meeting, I'm trying to assess suitability for mediation, safety. I'm trying to ascertain the issues and what might have gone on and where somebody might be emotionally. And that may be all very masked or different if you're meeting with them together. And so even if there is a suggestion of a joint meeting, I would always want some time on my own with each of them separately. But the separate Maya meetings give you such a different view of 
the relationship, um, the marriage, the separation, what's going on, that I, I don't think it would ever be right to decide or suggest which type of mediation might be the right one until you have spoken to them both. But making sure that all of the options have been suggested so that when alternatives are being offered, they know what you mean. Can I ask you just to go into more detail with the hybrid mediation and why that works where classic mediation doesn't work? I mean, we've been using the word mediation and I think we probably need to really mm. emphasize that it is hybrid mm. mediation yeah. that works um, with narcissists and really probably it's not worth even attempting a normal classic mediation process. So it is hybrid mediation that really um, we need to sort of be emphasizing here. But but what is it about hybrid mediation that makes it more effective than just a, a classic mediation process? Well, I think there's also another definition just to pull in there, which is why it's different from shuttle mediation. Yes. Because quite yep. often people come to me saying, I, there's absolutely no way I can, I can bear to be in the same room as the other person. I can't be on the same meeting of them. These things have gone on. I think shuttle is a good idea. And particularly when we've got any concerns about narcissism, I don't think shuttle helps in any way whatsoever, because you are literally a mouthpiece for the narcissist. You are going backwards and forwards saying what the narcissist has said. So just to clarify for the people listening, shuttle mediation is where the couple are in separate mm -hmm. rooms and the mediator moves between the two rooms. So that's what yeah. shuttle yeah. mediation is. They're just shuttling, the mediator is shuttling between the two rooms to prevent the couple from being in the same room. Um, and again, that doesn't work. You might think it would work better, but there's still that triangulation element mm. going on in shuttle mediation. And, you know, you mentioned before about the ability to hold confidences and, and that being specific to hybrid mediation I'm trying to understand this does that mean that in a normal mediation in a classic mediation and um, with a non-hybrid mediator if one of the couple was to say something like I think my husband or wife is a narcissist does that mean then that that mediator has to tell the other person that that's what's what's been said no so, so if that's said for example in the Mayan meeting the initial meeting that's a confidential meeting to the the client mm -hmm. so what's discussed in that meeting is completely confidential the difference in the confidence we're talking about for hybrid mediation to traditional mediation is the confidence that's being held is something that might be a kind of solution that somebody's thinking about that they're considering but they're not quite ready to make and they want to discuss it with the the mediator as an option of well I'm thinking about a solution like this so this plan for the children or this plan for the finances but I'm not ready for you to say it yet or can you just hold it in your mind at the moment and then can you go and speak to the other person find out what they're thinking and possibly hold a confidence that for them too and the mediator has the very joyful position of having been a fly on the wall in two separate rooms with two separate lawyers so that everyone has the benefit of legal advice of their own lawyer that day but the mediator is holding that information in their head confidentially in two different parts mm -hmm. and then can see where there's overlap and might be able to go to one and say okay well we talked about this being confidential I think if you were to come up with a plan that suggests this that might be something that could be helpful to move discussions forward now mm -hmm. knowing that gives the person the confidence that they think that it, well, the mediator isn't going to suggest that unless they think it's going to be something that's useful and it might be that a couple of questions need to be asked before the person feels ready to make a proposal or a suggestion that they're, they're thinking about. And so they might send the mediator to the other person to say, can you find out if their priority is this or, or what they're planning to do about this? Because that might change what I think is a reasonable proposal. But I'm asking you to ask that question because the proposal I'm thinking about is this or that. And the reason that 
that works so well with a narcissist is when we're talking about the control, there's an element of control there. They're still feeling that they're in control of, of the negotiation. They're able to say to the mediator and win the mediator over with their confidences of what they're asking, what they're suggesting. But also you've got the situation where both individuals have their own lawyer there. So the ability to gaslight, the ability to, to make the other one feel like they're not getting a good advice, which quite often we hear in mediation in the traditional sense where someone will say, well, your lawyer might have said that, but your lawyer's rubbish. That happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They try to undermine the other one's legal team and inflate the brilliance of their own. Yeah. And undermine their, yeah, and undermine their confidence in their legal team as a result of that, which then makes them doubt if they're doing the right thing and where reality is on what might be a solution that's reasonable. Whereas hybrid enables that separation. So the lawyers are apart with their clients in separate rooms. That undermining can't go on. It, it's completely separate. We can have times when we're all together and how often that happens is, is really dependent on the parties and the mediator and the lawyers. But having that separation and having the ability to be reassured by a lawyer for the, the victim, um, that gives them that confidence to know they have their lawyer with them. And for the narcissist, it gives them the drama and the control that they want. So it does play into the hands of coming up with a solution which traditional mediation would find difficult to do. So having the lawyers there gives them the benefit of instant legal advice. Am I right in thinking that that takes away the, the goalpost changing that the narcissist can do? I don't think there's any process that's going to stop a narcissist trying to exhibit their normal behaviour traits. I think that what the hybrid mediation model really provides is an environment where there are other people involved who are going to be helping to set those boundaries. And so the lawyers are there helping on that. But I think a really important point is that if you are in hybrid mediation, you are in a process with a mediator who has had an advanced level of training. And I think that that is an important point to convey because you've got the mediator with advanced level of training. You've got lawyers who have to deal with people in all different circumstances, providing support to their clients. You've got the fact that the meetings can be held completely separately from each other. So um, you can do it online. You can have separate meeting rooms set up online. You can do it in a face-to-face -face setting, but in, with people in different rooms. And I think the holding the confidences, I think those four things, sort of the advanced level of training, the fact that people aren't having to sit face-to-face -face looking at each other, that you can hold confidences and you've got the lawyers there, will provide the best possible chance of um, preventing narcissist goalpost changing and trying to get everybody to jump to their agenda and what they think should happen in terms of controlling that meeting setting. It keeps them more accountable then, it really is what you're saying. Perhaps having the, the benefit of their lawyer there kind of keeps them more accountable. And of course, shame is a huge thing for narcissists. Particularly with their own lawyer. I mean, the, moving a goalpost with your own lawyer, they're going to start to lose any you know professional relationship with their lawyer because their lawyer's going to be saying well we were just talking about this and you're now saying you're not happy with that and so when we go back to that what will the narcissist be concerned about other people thinking about them you've got a number of professionals in the hybrid mediation process that, that they may have concerns about well what's the mediator thinking if I'm moving the goalpost what's my lawyer thinking if I'm moving the goalpost but one of the other parts of why hybrid is so valuable is the opportunity for the lawyers to draft the consent order at the end. And you have the professionals there, you have the clients there, everybody concerned can sign either physically or virtually an order. And so that moving the goalposts 
after a mediation process disappears yeah. and so we might still have it during the process mm-hmm. and there might still be well I don't want that now and I might be happy with that but when we get to something that everybody appears to say is a solution it's drafted I think yeah, especially when you're dealing with someone with NPD that ability to leave the mediation which of course is a non-binding moment where proposals have been alighted upon nothing's been agreed uh, but but very often the cu- at least one of the couple will think that a deal has been done and of course that's a wonderful opportunity for someone with NPD to go away sleep on it for two or three days and then say oh no 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 and then you're back to square one and so grabbing that moment I think as Claire rightly says is so important Um, and also very focused and cost effective for the couple because they come out of the process not only with a deal done everything drafted order back within within a couple of weeks if you're lucky which yeah couldn't be better. A hybrid mediation can be concluded in a day and the thought of uh, you know a an ongoing litigation for 12, 18 months with a narcissist can be massively overwhelming having lived through it during a marriage or a relationship. At the end of the morning or the end of the afternoon, an order is drafted and everybody signs it. You know, the goalpost moving Mm. is gone. You have a signed order at the end of the process. The risk of an FDR hearing, if you've had a financial negotiation hearing in the financial process is we've got a heads of agreement, but then we could spend two months, three months, four months working out the terms of the the order. You can spend literally months drafting an order. And and that keeps that control and it keeps that ability to keep making the other person feel like that they're wrong. Um, And removing that so that you've got everybody there, everybody focused, you can move from without prejudice to an open position within the mediation at that at that juncture, when everybody's had their advice, everybody's comfortable that they've reached the stage where they're saying, okay, that's the mediation done. Now we're moving into an open discussion and then we can start drafting. And of course, from a cost perspective, there's the saving for the clients because there's no need for a memorandum of understanding because their lawyers have been present and have understood everything. So there is there is a cost saving. Yeah, and in terms of then, the, you know, the, the victim of the NPD personality, in terms of the... the the aim for them it's to get away from this relationship as quickly as possible and a hybrid absolutely creates that you know the speed element is there from the lawyers arriving the meeting happening consent order being drafted portal being used to submit the order we're looking at finality very quickly from an agreement to to mediate so it's a real advantage so many times especially with narcissists they've instructed a lawyer or maybe a couple of lawyers at various times and then they're given up completely because obviously the lawyer is refusing to be kind of the puppet on the string so they've become litigants in person what happens when you've got that situation because that's quite a common situation I'm finding anyway that the the narcissist isn't represented can they still do hybrid mediation in that situation I I would be very concerned about doing a hybrid mediation if both parties didn't have legal representation just in terms of the moving of the goalpost point that we were talking about having the benefit of the lawyer there and having the lawyer draft the consent order and have it signed at the end of the process would leave open a risk of the person saying I I didn't know what I was doing and I was under too much pressure and I shouldn't have signed it and actually I want to go back and I want to undo it so I would have huge reservations um, personally if there wasn't another lawyer involved particularly because just like we were talking about 
earlier, there's an element of the professional lawyers in the room, along with the mediator, keeping the calm and keeping everybody to what might be a reasonable outcome and within the parameters of best case and worst case. And without the lawyer, it's almost like the other person, the victim, maybe negotiating against themselves a little bit because the goalpost just keeps moving away. So, I mean, that's my personal preference as a hybrid mediator, but um, other hybrid mediators may have a different view. I think there are ways you can talk to the narcissist who's been through three or four lawyers decided they can do a better job themselves. However, has been suggested, they say, well, yes, of course, that's fine. Of course, yes, I'll be able to do that. No problem at all. I think that that's probably the point at which you can say to them this, you know, this is a groundbreaking, you know, revolutionary way of sorting things out. That's going to appeal to their need to feel superior and part of this groundbreaking new process. But I would be saying to them, but the way that I work is you will have to have support during that process because if we do manage to reach an agreement, you are going to need a lawyer to help you draft the wording of the court order. And normally they won't profess to be able to understand the workings of court orders and how they should all be worded. You're not saying to them, you've got to instruct a lawyer now forever. You're saying you've got to have a lawyer who can come with you if you really want to try this groundbreaking revolutionary way of trying to sort things out. Whether they would listen to you, of course, is, a, is, a, is another matter, but it would be worth a go is what I would say to try and help everybody you know, have some resolution and move forward in their lives. Without lawyers, you know, sadly, you, you couldn't possibly have the drafting of a consent order physically mm. at the end of the process, because as a mediator, you'd be so nervous that the unrepresented person must have the opportunity to take independent advice. And therefore, they've got to go away and do that. There's no way around it. Hybrid works um, with or without lawyers. Um, I think it's important to say that in that you you can use the hybrid model where you've got a couple who don't have lawyers instructed. But I think what's really useful for them is to agree at the outset that if they're unable to resolve Mm. all of the issues, that they'll sign up to going into arbitration at the conclusion of the mediation so that if you've agreed that um, they are right at the beginning, that they are going to move into arbitration, what you could do as the mediator is to discuss the wording of the ARB1FS, which Mm. of course is a document which can subsequently be amended. So you're not tying them to an irrevocable position. You could simply use it as it seems we've got an agreement on these points subject to you taking advice. But these other points could then be arbitrated. Um, Or you could simply say, you know, we arbitrate everything that could come up in financial remedy proceedings or child related issues and move on. And I think that's a very good way of capturing the litigant in person, especially the one with NPD. Again, you sell the process, as Rachel rightly says, it's all very new. It's very front end. Um, Only special people do that. This it's not for the riffraff, all that kind of stuff. And you can get buy in through that. So where you are as a mediator, I think, encountering the unrepresented narcissist, if I can put it like that, it's, it's a very good tool to use right at the beginning to get them to sign up to arbitration. Yes, no, I think I think that's a really good point, Karen. I, I think anything really that in many ways keeps them out of court because that is just going to be a platform for them to rack up costs, cause a great deal of delay. And actually, there's no guarantee they're going to end up with what they think they're entitled to in terms of their sense of justice anyway. So anything that can be done to try and keep them in some sort of process which uh, protects the people involved as much as they require it is has got to be a good thing. 
part of this educative process that certainly Supriya and I embarked on a year or so ago is to try and move away from the idea that court is the the be all and end all that as you Rachel said it's it's very much the last resort and you say that as somebody who sits in a judicial role within that system it's so important for people generally to see that out of court options are to use Supriya's term first line dispute resolution they should be the first consideration and I think if that's a message that can be sent out to those who are separating see that as your first consideration look at what all the options are not just mediation if that isn't the right one for you so many others early Mm. neutral evaluation arbitration uh, etc research that and I think slowly the juggernaut will turn around and it will become the normal way to deal with things whether you suffer from NPD or not. To go through hybrid mediation with both sets of lawyers involved it's my understanding that that works out significantly cheaper than going through the court system all the way to a final hearing would you agree with that? Absolutely without a doubt Uh, if you're looking at the cost of a lawyer for even if it's a whole day for example and both having the cost of a lawyer for a whole day you could potentially have three of those days with lawyers in the court process it is three if not more court hearings and so having it all done there and then without the letters flying backwards and forwards without the evidence gathering the statement drafting the expert preparing the review of papers the looking at reports you've saved all of that time and, and condensed it all into one day and although as we were saying earlier it's a very heavy start in terms of of cost if we're looking at asking for an outlay of two lawyers for a whole day with a mediator and a morning or a day off work or whatever solution we come up with in terms of the scheduling that may feel quite a significant investment of time and money but if you compare that to the time and money you're going to spend over the next 6 12 18 24 months in some cases it it pales into insignificance my brand new book Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out now. For more information and online courses about narcissism, please do check out my websites, thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.